Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 101. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And this week's show, we get to talk about one of my favorite things. It's not so much one of my favorite things anymore, but God, once upon a time, it was like what I lived for to watch on MTV. That's right. I've got a bona fide reality star on the show this week. Her name is Holland Darcy. Now... You may not recognize her name immediately because when she was on MTV, she was on Road Rules. The season was Latin America. It aired, I looked it up on Wikipedia, in 1999. She was also on three seasons of The Challenge. She was on Challenge 2000, one that I loved and one that we talk about a lot on this week's show. She was also on Battle of the Seasons and then on The Inferno. So the fact that I get to chat with her and then I get to walk down memory lane. And I got a mind like a steel trap here. I remember plot points from these shows for reasons that totally escape me. It's almost unfathomable the level of detail that I can recall from these things. Now, granted, I was interviewing Holland. So I cheated a little bit. I went back. I looked through some clips. But that triggered all these memories I had about these shows and these seasons. So it was so fun to get to dig in with her. And just a quick programming note before we get too far along here. There's one clip in particular that if you search for Holland or Holly, that you'll probably find first. And it's called something like Holly's Heartbreak. And it has to do with Challenge 2000. She's on it with Dan from Northern Trail. And they put it to this music. You know, there's like Sister Hazel and Macy Gray's I Try. It's a whole very emotionally wrought type of thing. Now, as she's telling me this story, and I ask her this very sort of personal question from this season, I went and found the clip. I did a YouTube to MP3 conversion. So in the middle of us talking about it, you actually get to hear the clip. So I don't normally incorporate other audio, but I thought it was apropos here to give you more context for what we're talking about. So get ready for that. And Holland, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry for putting this out into the world just yet one more time. But you were totally cool and totally gracious in this interview. So I didn't think it would be that big a deal since you can find it on the internet anyway. Now, the biggest thing about this show, and we just came off episode 100, which I thought was fantastic. I mean, what a great job by Simon Lomax. And putting that out into the world felt good. It felt cathartic. It felt kind of strange, but it's almost perfect that I'm following up the show where I got interviewed, where I actually had to put myself out there. With someone who has done that in a much more visible format than I have. So as I think about what this show is and what it aspires to be and what it aspires to do and what I hope you feel after listening to this show, here's what I can tell you. Reality TV has become ubiquitous in this country. It has become one of the things that we accept as just part of our day-to-day -day life. That was not always the case. And one of the big catalysts for this was the real world. I mean, I remember watching the real world come on and be like, wow, they're just going to like film these people living here. That is crazy. And that is mind blowing to me. And that is what I would say is probably the number one vehicle for television now. 
And that wasn't always the case. And when you think that there are actual people who have gone through this, what I want to know is, as they reflect on it, was the experience positive or negative? What do you do after you've been on TV? And there are some people, and it's pretty obvious, I mean, there are so many examples that we can point to of people who don't know what to do after they're on TV. After their moment has passed, they continue to try to hang on to as much of that as they possibly can. Now, in Holland's case, she seemed to move on pretty much with ease. She went back to college. After she graduated college, got corporate jobs. We talk about this right at the top of this week's episode. And went back, did like three challenges, all while she had a real job. And to me, that's just really cool. That you can come off something this intense, where you're living your 20s, where you're still emotionally developing, and end up just still really cool. She lives like two miles from me. We both have kids that are of similar age. You know, she's just a little bit older than me. She's the same age as my sister-in-law, which I got to give her a shout right now. So Cassie, my sister, I can't resist her. She made the introduction for me. We happened to come upon Holland in this liquor store that is not far from either of our houses. And my wife recognized her and and said, you know, I think you went to, to see Boulder with my sister and just wanted to say hi. Hope that's not weird. Blah, blah, blah. We get back in the car. And she says to me, she's like, you know, that that was my sister's sorority sister. And I go, yeah, great. That's big deal. So what? And she goes, no, that's like Holly from Road Rules. And I go, that's that Holly? Holy shit. And I thought she looked familiar, but I didn't put it together. And I'm happy I didn't ask her all the questions then that I asked her on the show now. So anyway, the point is gaining a deeper understanding of something that we have in our culture that is so ubiquitous is a big deal to me. And it's a real thrill to get to do it with something that was an important part of the way that I started to understand media. I loved these shows and I always adored Holly and I I just loved watching her because she was someone that I could relate to. You know, I think you're going to love this show. And you know what? I've been going on and on about this. I always said I wanted to make these intros shorter, but there are times where I just have something to say. And this is one of those cases because... I just think this episode is great, and I think it's the ideal way of kicking off the next 100. So thank you, Holland Darcy, for being on the show. I hope this show did right by you. And uh, what can I say? Let's get to this week's episode. It's number 101. It's Holland Darcy, former star of Road Rules Latin America, Challenge 2000, Battle of the Seasons, and The Inferno. Her episode starts right now. Family. Okay. Cost of living. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I believe it. A four-bedroom house for half the price of a two-bedroom in San Francisco. Yeah. Literally. (laughs) Yeah, no joke. Our neighbors sold their... Our neighbors in San Francisco sold their... I think it was three-bed in the end. One bath, tiny garage, no storage, like nothing. Uh Uh-huh. In one day... In cash for one three. Oh, gross! They put it on the market at nine 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 and sold it in one day in cash at one three. And it's uh, and that's when we were like, and it's time to go. I'll bet you uh, it was some craven like VC guy too, like uh, doing Airbnb with it or something, right? A mother, a Chinese mother whose daughter was a sophomore at the University of San Francisco. Wow. And granted, it is a great investment, right? And the well, Chinese sure. are investing in our real estate market left and right, especially in San Francisco. Okay. But yeah, like <laughs> Justin and I looked at each other in our $3,000 a month 
one right. bedroom closet. Yeah, Victorian, <laughs> and right. said it's time to go back to Colorado. Our yeah. families, both of our families, are here. Right, friends are here. But you grew up in like Durango, Durango. right? Durango. Okay. Yeah. So, what were you doing out in San Francisco? I was with an agency, a digital marketing agency, for nine, ten years. Okay. Uh, Sapient, Sapient Nitro. Oh, I know them. Yeah. Yeah. They got acquired by Publicis, okay. or there was a merger of sorts. Nice. I would say politically correctly. Right. Two years ago. So it was right before, or maybe it was when we had moved here just like a month after we had moved here. Okay. So yeah, I was here with them. I started with them, went out to San Francisco to do some big e-commerce implementation stuff and then stayed till I came back with them. Okay. I was still working with them. And then I have an old colleague from Sapient at Vail that was like, I've got a job and it's for you. It's like perfect for <laughs> Can you. Can you come work for me? And I was like, sure. So you've been doing like, like, I mean, is it more marketing than it is like PR? It, it, totally. Okay. It's much more kind of digital marketing. I focus on okay. the project management side of it, the program project management side oh, of it. Oh, all right. And client services. So I also did kind of the sales business development, right. client relationship thing at Xavier for a long time. Okay. Okay. So the reason I ask you that is because... We're sort of inverting the formula. We're doing it Tarantino style. Here nice. Because we're sitting without here, the blood. That, yeah. Well, God willing. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, we're not going to do any weird challenge here, but we're sitting here with Holland Darcy. Or if you were watching MTV a lot in the mid to late nineties or into the two thousands, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Holly Shand. Yeah. Right. Yep. I should have been Holland on the show, though, because there was another Holly. Oh, yeah. That was confusing. people still get confused. Yeah. Are people like, were you on the same season as Theo? Like, uh, no. No, no. That, is that what people ask you? No. People ask me, like, I nannied for a family in Marin one summer. I uh-huh. lived out there. And the father was, I think they were from Southern California and the grandparents lived in Marin. Right. And he was there. They, they were summering. And the mother loved me and she was like, and she was on road rules. Her name was Holly. And the dad went and looked me up and called her back and was like, do you know that she like slept around and was not a nice person? You're like, wrong Holly. Yeah. And the mom was like, that doesn't sound like her at all. And she told me that and I was like, oh yeah, she was kind of a slut. And now she's not a slut at all. She's very holy and married and seven kids or something crazy. But Well, good. The reason I ask you that is because you were Holly on the show. I was. And you're Holland now. Yes. Was that an intentional choice to move away from that? It wasn't necessarily intentional. I mean, I'm, my name by birth is Holland. Of course. It's my mom's maiden name. I think they thought in Durango that people would think they were weird or I was weird <laughs> if I was Holland. Okay. So I was Holly. I was sure. born around Christmas too. As I got into high school, I had a couple teachers that loved Holland. So some people started calling me that. In college, a little bit more. Not on the show, obviously. Right. And then it was actually once I got to Sapient. I was at Accenture consulting for five years right out of college. When I got to Sapient and interviewed here, they just all loved the name Holland. Oh, cool. Automatically became Holland. And now I prefer it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And you will meet people that call me Holland, that call me... And the same person. Call me Holland, call me Halls, call me Holly, call me... Everything in the book. Well, my sister-in-law helped me set this up. And she calls me Holly. Uh, she calls you Halls. Yeah. Because <laughs> she forwarded me the email that she sent to you. And I'm like, okay, well, I, that's probably not what I'm going to call her. <laughs> that, <laughs> Halls works. So, that, that might, so that might feel a little familiar, though, <laughs> considering we don't know each other. By the end, you can call me Halls. But I was curious about that because it seems like 
you'll occasionally read interviews with ex-castmates from Real World or Road Rules or whatever, and it's almost like they want to put that part of their life behind them, and they want to compartmentalize it because when you start a second chapter, that part of your life can be stigmatizing in a professional environment. Yes. Is that accurate? It's totally accurate. And I think I did it more naturally and potentially – I mean, those are conscious decisions too, right? But yeah. even more intentionally in terms of – I never really did the thing. I didn't move to LA. I didn't try right. to do the thing. You didn't live in reality row. I didn't. And I, I, I got a real job and I went back and did two challenges once I had a real job. Right. But I didn't try to extend it or make something more of it than it was. Right. You right? didn't, you didn't try and milk every last inch of no. like fame and, you know, notoriety that you had out of it. And I also didn't do anything that necessitated <laughs> compartmental like locking that in a right. closet and not wanting anybody <laughs> to ever know what happened on the show right that's a good point my mother told me as i was getting on the plane from durango to mexico for my first show for like literally i'm walking out tiny durango airport to like walk <laughs> up the stairs and she shouts at me don't forget your grandparents are watching <laughs> and i and i kept that with me i remember at times wow thinking like don't don't be like some of the people you've seen on the show. And granted, yeah. shit happens, right? Sure. Like, cameras intensify emotions and reactions and situations and all of that. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't want I didn't want to regret <laughs> things I did on the show. And I didn't. I never did. That's good. Yeah. Um, because I mean that you have to be very intentional with that because I and I say that <laughs> as someone who has watched the show since its inception. I mean the first real world New York came out when I was like twelve. So, I mean, that's sort of like perfect demographic. I, MTV might not want someone that young getting right. into it. But, you know, then like everyone else, I got really hooked by the San Francisco season, yeah. the Pedro Zamora season, yep. Puck. And, Puck. And then Road Rules came about and Road Rules was just so much more fun. It was more fun. Like it just as a show structure, um, because you guys are going on adventures and stuff. And the first season I really got into was Northern Trail. Yeah, Daniel season. Yeah. Daniel and Tara. I'm still good friends with Tara. No kidding. Yeah. Um, I remember watching that first episode and I think Tara crashed her like uh, race car. Yeah. They were doing like a race car challenge. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whoa, this is legit. <laughs> and then and, like it was an intersection of two things I loved at the time because they got to do a pro wrestling challenge too. Yeah. And I was so jealous of that. And I'm like, God, like what? What a show. Yeah, like what I wouldn't do yeah. to to do this. It's uh, funny, though, because people people are really of one camp or the other. They either loved like the drama of the real world because while well, there was drama on road rules. Yeah, yeah. It's focused in a different way. Sure. Right? Uh, so you will find people that are like, oh, yeah, I didn't really watch road rules. Or you find people that are like, it's Really, only what I watched. I right. loved it because of X, Y, and Z. They're, most of them are challenge junkies now. Yeah. Do you still watch all of them? No, it, because I, see, I don't. I haven't watched the real world in a long time. Yeah. And so I don't know the people anymore. Well, and now, I, as I understand it, because I can't, I can't even. Uh, <laughs> you literally can't. I even. literally can't even. <laughs> a lot of them are just repeats from the challenges. It's yeah. not like they were on an original season, right. which to me is like the purest of the challenge, right? Sure. Like you had an original season, you have stuff that happened, and then you bring all these different seasons together. Right. And I guess they're bringing different seasons together from 
the challenges, but it just doesn't feel authentic anymore. It, uh, yeah, it feels almost a little bit too incestuous totally. anymore. And it's like its own industry now. It is. Whereas, you know, you, you watch the real world now and it's almost is like... Is it still on? I, yes, uh, because they're back in Las Vegas, I think, again this season. Oh, God help us all. No kidding. And God help those kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that Las Vegas season of the real world was that's what, nuts. Like, that's what changed. That's what changed the trajectory of, I don't know if it's reality TV. So I was a media studies major too. Yeah, yeah. So I did a lot of thinking. I don't know if it was reality TV broadly, mm. but it certainly changed the trajectory of real world as a show on sure. TV and what was expected and what was cast and what happened in households. Like yeah. the early seasons were, were tame compared to what oh, went very much in so. Vegas. Yeah. I, Cause like, I remember I saw promos for Vegas and I'm like, is this porn? Like, <laughs> like what is this? I mean, between drugs and sex and, nakedness and yeah, three ways eating in the disorders and Jesus. the amount of liquor and yeah so okay because your first one was road rules latin america mm -hmm. season seven okay was that before vegas that was before vegas okay. vegas was nine i think uh yes i think it was because 10 was back to new york nine. yeah and, and uh, Hawaii was the same season. Hawaii was seven okay. with us. They were our sister season. No, I think I think Hawaii was eight. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Because with, Seattle with, was seven. Was Seattle seven? Are you sure Seattle wasn't six? Oh no, I'm no, not I sure. No, I think about Seattle that. was six. Okay. I'm not positive Hawaii was seven though. Okay. I know that Vegas was nine. Yeah. And I know that Hawaii was either seven or eight because yeah. then. Road Rules semester at sea happened. Oh, right. While all of my girlfriends from college were on semester at sea and knew me. So they were on the boat. Oh, geez, with the really? cast and the crew, which was crazy. Oh, that's too weird. Yeah, it was crazy. So how did you come to audition? Like, what's the process like for getting involved? And I'm sure you've told this story before, but I don't know that I've ever heard it. Yeah, uh, it's a. It, it's or a, what was it like back then? Because I'm sure it's different now. It's a serendipitous one, I would say. Okay. So back then they came and did open casting. Uh, Mary Ellis Bunham, who has since passed away from breast cancer, loved Boulder for a lot of reasons. She'd found some good cast members there. Nice. Her niece, who she was very close to, was in school there. And so she came and held open casting at what was the Oasis, which was the brewery on the corner of Canyon and 14th or one of those. Nice. Not even okay. 14th, like 12th. I was a sorority girl. I was a Delta Gamma. Yep. And all my girlfriends, along with my sister-in-law, along with your sister-in-law, uh, and all of my girlfriends were obsessed with the idea of like going to this open casting. Yeah, and I just didn't care. <laughs> it's like you guys, nobody gets on those shows from those right. open casting things. That doesn't happen, right? Like, yeah, the people on American Idol don't actually like they're they're not just auditioning for Simon and Paula and no Randy the first time. No, like it, that's exactly right. Right, that's exactly right. So. There was some convincing and I ended up going. I can remember what I had on. Like I remember looking in my closet and being like, I'm going to put on those jeans and this blue shirt and bring a black bag. Okay. So we get there and it's a, sh a shit show. Like, yeah. People everywhere, lines out the door. <laughs> and as we walk up the stairs, they tell people that it's a four hour wait. Jeez. And they're asking them to come back the next day. What well, was spring semester midterms? It must have been an Easter weekend. Right. What and year I, was this? This was 90. Seven. Yeah. That so No, 90. Yeah. 97. Okay. No, 98. So it was spring my sophomore year. Mm -hmm. And I was going home to Durango for Easter. 
the next morning after my Spanish midterm. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, sorry, but I'll wait for you girls. Fill out your forms and you can come back tomorrow. So I'm sitting there, just people, great people watching. I'll bet. Um, a lot of posturing, a lot of peacocking. Yes, though now, in hindsight, I have a very vivid memory of seeing Joshua there. Okay. Who ended up on my season, blonde, curly-haired <laughs> oh, yeah. guy. He didn't do a lot of challenges, did he? He did one challenge with me. We yeah. were on Battle of the Seasons together. That's right. And you guys were right after right before 9-11, the finale, right? And we were the last team to go home before. Yeah, before the final. Yep. Yeah, I remember That's exactly that. right. I just saw him a couple weeks ago. Anyway, Joshua was there. A casting coordinator comes up to me and says, what number is your application? And I'm like, I don't have one. I'm good. I'm just waiting. And she says, the executive producer is sitting right there and she wants to talk to you right now. Would you fill one out? I was kind of like, sure, sounds good. So I fill one out and I end up sitting down with Mary Ellis. Wow. What's supposed to be like a 10 minute vetting process of are you interesting enough? <laughs> Turns out to be like an hour long conversation. Get just the two of us. So I leave. I was like, that was kind of crazy. Right. They, ca they call me that night and say, we know you're leaving. We know you have the Spanish final. Do you have 30 minutes to come back in and do an on-camera interview <laughs> with X, Y, and Z? Wow. So Were your girlfriends all pissed? No, they were so excited. Okay. And it's funny because people have asked that. They were so excited. Okay, cool. Like they were nothing but excited. That's awesome. So yeah, then you go, I did that. You do like a camera interview in your room with like a camcorder set up in the corner. Like a confessional style? Kind of. Yeah. Because they want to see what you look like on camera. Sure. So I probably did three or four more either in-person interviews with them in Boulder, confessional style. I did a few phone interviews. And then they fly you to Santa Monica for uh, final casting. Wow. And they'd like put you in front of the psychologist and they take you out. They send you out with an old cast member. Really? Yes. And who I can't remember. That's what I'm thinking. I'm trying to think of who it was right now. He was blonde. He was, he was hot. That's awesome. And I remember being like smitten with him. Who was it? Was he road rules or real world? Do you I, remember? That's, I think... Because it wasn't who was the blonde in the early seasons, not with Kit and those guys. I'll think it, on that. Okay, perfect. And then that was it. They called me and they were like, "You're in. <laughs> we leave in two weeks. You'll get on a plane to somewhere." What season was this? Like what? What season of the year? This was. I f I got the call on my deck in Durango, Colorado, in probably earlier mid June. Okay. And then we flew out on July 4th. Okay. And like how long was filming then? It was July 4th through take it back to the end of September. I must've gotten, oh, so I skipped the first four weeks of school, Okay, but didn't take a semester off. Wow. Yeah. Did you just catch up? Kind of crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. That sounds tough. Yeah, it was. But I was like, eh, it's fine. Right. I'm fine. Well, I mean, at that point, you're what, like 20 years old? 20. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you go, hey, I, I'll just do this thing and I'll figure the rest out later, <laughs> That's right? That's exactly Fuck what I did. It. I was like, if we have classes together, can somebody pick up the notes or keep track or <laughs> let the teachers know I'll be there soon? That's awesome. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of a crazy story. And what I've heard or at least read anecdotally is the people who are not... It's almost like dating because it's a lot like dating. The people who are most desperate for approval <laughs> yeah. 
are the ones who like you're like nope no thanks don't yep. want it yep and you're just hanging out doing your thing and she spots you and it's like why doesn't this girl give a shit about me yeah like why doesn't she care That's i funny. need to talk to her yeah. right i did find out in the end that i reminded mary ellis of her daughter oh funny okay and she was drawn to me and was like i have to talk to this girl and hear her story wow yeah okay and she and i were very close for all i didn't make it to her memorial service which i still regret this day but mm. she and i were very close when we came and did like post-show interviews right. or rap parties or whatever it was yeah what was she like because i mean buna murray has created this whole empire, empire. now and I mean, since she passed away, which how long ago was that now? That was in the. I mean, that was a while ago. Oh yeah, it was in the. Had to have been like two thousand two or three because I think it was before, the Inferno. Okay. I mean, since then the show has, the shows have continued to, and and maybe they're just reflecting the culture at large, but seem to not have the same sensibilities they had when she was doing them. Yeah. I think that's interesting. So she was hugely sensible. She was hugely driven. She was an incredible businesswoman. Right. Obviously. Uh, certainly. Um, total ball buster. Like, didn't take shit from anyone. Nice. But also had this very kind side. It's interesting because I, w I would agree with, and I don't even know all of the shows that are under their label anymore. So Jonathan Murray, her partner, is fantastic too. This amazing gay man who's done a lot for gay rights and kind of all of the nice. things. So... I find it telling that they came back kind of to I Am Kate and a very powerful oh, right, yeah. kind of of the moment cultural, political, changing show Yeah, yeah. where in the middle it got kind of like the over sensationalized, not as focused on kind of real life reality TV. Right. Yeah. So I find I, I've, I find it interesting to see that it was like. The founders, really, of reality TV in a lot of ways, right? Oh, yeah. Most definitely. And then they kind of got caught up in the churn of, like, just reality TV, right? It wasn't anything groundbreaking. And then now they've ended up doing – and I, I only watched the first season of I Am Kate, but it was – I actually know some of the executive producers who were, like, production assistants on my show, right? Yeah, and now right. they've stayed with the company and stayed with a thing. And it's a very, it's a very powerful story that's changing Certainly. minds and opening eyes. And I think – that real world in particular, right, with with the Pedro yeah. story and all of that. Yeah, um, no joke. Highlighted things in society that people weren't talking or thinking about. Right. Or like uh, I think about uh, the Hawaii season where Ruthie was dealing with addiction and, you know, they had to step in because yep. she got behind the wheel of a car. And it's like, oh, my God, like this is this is real. It's real. Life. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is no joke. So when you were doing your season from July 4th till the end of September, are they filming you like all day every day? Or or how does a how does a day sort of break down? They are not filming us all day every day. Okay. Uh, there's a ton of filming obviously, right? But sure. especially when you're in transit and you're in transit in a foreign country <laughs> going through some pretty like crazy areas or situations. Right. There are certainly times where you're more partners with the crew <laughs> and and the people that are running the show. Sure. Then I would say probably you are with real world. Yeah. Where it's set up. Right. Houses are wired, right? Like you're yeah. in an American city for the most part and they're just following you around. Yeah. It's, it's the basic, the real world's basically, uh, and I, I'm going to kill myself because I can't remember the philosophical construct, but it's the panopticon. Yeah. Totally. I mean, that, that the real world is the manifestation of the panopticon. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're just being watched all the time. Yes. 
Whereas I talked to a guy on this show who does like audio for Survivor and the Amazing Race uh-huh. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about, yeah, you're, you're hunkered down with cast, especially when you're in airports and stuff like that. And so, or Winnebago's, you know, or Winnebago's, <laughs> <laughs> where you guys are trucking across. I mean, you have to chew up some real estate, yeah. right? Yeah. That's exactly right. And a lot of that time you might be mic'd, right? Sure. But cameras aren't on. Or cameras are on in spurts, like something interesting comes up, and depending on the storylines that are happening behind the scenes, right? they might pick up a camera and film it because it's relevant, and they can cut it into whatever the story is for that sure. week or long term. But generally, it was like call time, wake up time, whatever that looked like. If it was a challenge day, it was a lot more stringent in of terms course. of getting ready and getting there and the arrival and all of that. So when you say like call time, do you guys have like call sheets like Hollywood? Yeah. That kind of really mm-hmm. not and and probably not nearly as formal as like right. true, but definitely was like here it is, guys, be responsible. And I was very responsible in my yeah. early twenties, far more than in my later twenties. Right. So I don't think we ever missed I kept us all accountable for what we were supposed to do I took it pretty seriously right like that's the other thing I I was like this is like we're on a tv show we're traveling through foreign countries we're having these experiences of a lifetime we're not going to be a bunch of disrespectful little brats which a lot of the seasons after us were yeah no joke and how, like, did, were your castmates receptive to that? Were they kind of on the same wavelength? I was definitely like, I was definitely like mama oh, funny. Okay. of the group for sure. <laughs> so, okay. So when you guys are filming and you're on the road and as a media studies, you're Which de- happened after the fact, but reflecting on it now, going through that experience and then did you watch the shows afterwards? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, of yeah. course you have to, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are people that will tell you nowadays they don't, but how can you walk around in public yeah. And not know what what the finished product what was. What the finished product was, what the storyline, yeah. what Yeah, exactly. what people are going to say about you or think about you, right? So was it weird or perhaps a different question? Was the narrative that came out on TV was it reflective of your experience or did you go you know what, this wasn't exactly like sort of the way it happened or you know, this is a little bit of creative uh through line that they're manufacturing what was that like so for the most part if i generalized sure it was pretty true to what was going on like i like to tell people that they can't create something out of nothing they can emphasize or overweave Mm -hmm. something to play it up right but like they can't make you look like the alcoholic or the crier or (laughs) the liar or what the The promiscuous one right Unless you were doing enough to be able to create a story to tell that, right? Sure. So I think the majority of the time they told a lot of the truth with some dramatic storyline tying it all together, right? Yeah, sure. Certainly times where something you said at the beginning of the show was stitched into the last episode (laughs) to like pull a piece up that they really wanted to highlight, right? But you come to learn that that's TV in general, reality or not, right? Right. And you also, in the early days, could really tell when they had <laughs> taken something from a totally different interview and like put it into from three months earlier, right? right. When my hair was super short, to the last episode when suddenly I now have a ponytail because it's grown <laughs> to my shoulders in three months in Mexico and Latin America. <laughs> right. So what were the conditions like on that Winnebago? Ugh. Gross? Ugh. And they really weren't that bad, but to your earlier question around how 
how much crew was around, like how how much time was spent together. You have six cast members, mm-hmm. but you ha- and Winnebago, but you have four to six crew in there with you so you have oh geez right you have the sound guy you have the camera guy you usually have an assistant or two for each of them Mm -hmm. and then you have a director of some sort writing story and like taking notes (laughs) hidden in a bathroom or the back room or whatever it is yeah because that person cannot be on camera no so there's you know there's 10 or 11 of you on this pretty small winnebago wow traveling through third world countries right like mexico isn't a super cleanly place nor is (laughs) i mean both belize and costa rica once we got there we left the winnebago behind oh right couldn't get around with it but by the time we said goodbye knowing we were never going to see it again in mexico (laughs) everybody was like we should kiss it we should tell it how thankful we are like we love you and i was like good riddance (laughs) If I never see that thing again, I will be fine. You're like, ghost ride that thing off a cliff. Oh, and then it showed up for photo shoots after the fact. Well, it was course. very clean and detailed and fine. <laughs> You're actually the second reality star that I've interviewed. Oh, yeah? One uh, was, it was very early on. This was like more than two years ago, but he was on five takes on the Travel Channel. So oh, they, I don't know that one. They got like $50 a day and... They like they'd go, and he was on the Pacific Rim one. Oh, cool! They had to get from point A to point B. No, no, they and it wasn't a competition or anything. It was just it was Travel Channel, so it was like, you know, here's how you can exist on fifty dollars a day in Sydney, Australia, or Taiwan, or wherever. Sydney, Australia, not possible, but yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) And they spent a long time there, but he said that show was not geared towards drama. And when they would start bickering with each other, they wanted to highlight the the city and, you know, the cool stuff to do and all that. So when they'd start yelling at each other, because they would, because if you're with those people long enough. Yeah. And especially if you're casting for types. Yes. So, Which generally they are. Everybody yeah. is. And so he told me when they'd start doing that, the camera guys would actually put their cameras down. Oh, my gosh. That would have been amazing. <laughs> I would have loved that. And they're like, okay, you guys got to work this out. And then we got to get along because we're doing a travel show here. We're not doing MTV. Right. And we want people to be excited about the place and think it's easy to get around. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And and it's not MTV. Right. That's true. The bickering starts and the camera might be down. And they're like, yes. Yeah, they are. About time. Finally. Yep. So skipping ahead a little bit to because I want to come back to Latin America. But I lost the thread of this and I want to come back to it in terms of creating the narrative. Yes. When you guys were on Challenge 2000. Uh Uh-huh. You know exactly what I'm going to ask. There was a narrative that was created. Yeah. But I... So so just to set this up, right? Oh, yeah. You got to set it up. Just so everyone knows what we're talking about. If you look for clips of you Mm -hmm. on YouTube, probably the first one you're going to find is... Uh, I think it's called like Holly's Unrequited Love of Dan or something. (laughs) (laughs) Like some absurd title like that. And I actually remember this episode because I felt so bad for you. Thank you. Because I was like 18, you know, and I'm like, she's so sweet. And he's like, why can't he just see this? And so, like, there's like this, conf- not a confessional, but like, it's you and the camera. An it was an interview. Yeah. And like, there's some tears and it ends with like you guys singing on stage with Sister Hazel. Yeah. Which at the time I thought was really cool too. I'm like, wow, they just, they get to go up on stage and just sing this song that we all know. And that was like my favorite song that year. Yeah, that song was great. Yeah, it was a great song. And so I later read, and as I was doing prep for this, uh, I went on the Wikipedia page for Challenge 2000. Yeah. And Dan said that was manufactured. 
he said that that was not entirely on the level the way that they portrayed it. Is that accurate in your estimation? So in a way, right? And I I just need to point out too how awkward I feel asking you. Don't this feel question. awkward because it's. It, I mean, and don't think I as a human being <clears throat> haven't thought about like I have thought about this a lot. I'm so sure. Dan and I, and I call him Daniel. I've always called him Daniel. Oh, funny. Okay. Uh, as I was getting ready to go on the challenge, one of my best girlfriends said to me. Oh my God. If Dan from Northern Trails is on the show, you too. And I hadn't, I didn't watch Road Rules before I got on the show. Okay. So I maybe had caught clips, but I didn't know people. I didn't know. <laughs> right. You didn't um, have your little scorecard. Like. No. If Dan is on the show, you two will be best friends. Oh, funny. And I was kind of like, okay, I don't know who that is, but that sounds great. I'd love Neat. to have a, love a cool guy to hang out with on this crazy adventure I'm about to go on. So the first challenge was to bungee jump from the top of the stratosphere and they helicoptered us like around Vegas and dropped us <laughs> and we're blindfolded. So we're oh, talking to people yeah. and I end up having this awesome conversation with the person I'm sitting next to and we get off the helicopter and it's this guy and without even introducing ourselves, I look at him and I was like, wait, are you Dan? <laughs> and he was like, I am. So that was the start of it. And he and I... We're inseparable. We went for runs every morning. We partied all the time. We had, I mean, I say it on the show, like I can almost say it. For, we have the same sense of humor. We have the same taste in music. We have the same love of family, like all of our values, everything aligned. But Daniel and I were never romantically drawn together. Oh, interesting. So I tell people a lot of times, I think you have soulmates in life that aren't your romantic oh, funny. partners forever, right? I think Daniel and I have an emotional connection right. or had one that I haven't had with a lot of people in life. Yeah. But what nobody knows, or maybe somewhere in the Challenge 2000 Wikipedia page, uh-huh. I was making out with... David from Seattle. That is mentioned on the Wikipedia during page. During the show. So like right. I actually was a little obsessed with like the mysterious, ridiculously handsome David. <laughs> right. And Daniel was like my best friend, my partner in crime. Like we were the ultimate competitors. We were the perfect partners. Like all of those things. Yeah. So they had all of those moments and there definitely was like, are you, are you guys like in love? And we, and I was like, first of all, no, he has a girlfriend. Yeah. Second of all, I'm secretly in love with <laughs> someone from the other team behind the scenes. Right. But I was also very conscious of things not happening on camera. Like nice. I didn't need or want to be making out with anyone. Like nobody needs to see that. Right. Um, and so. Which is why you screwed up my fantasy team on, uh, the Inferno, which we'll get to in a minute. Ooh. I'll, I'll tell you. Okay. In, I'll tell okay. you in a minute. We'll get there. So anyway, by the end of the show, right? Super. Um, it was probably the most fun two months of my life. Like it was so awesome, epic, and amazing. And we won a shit ton of money, and we had a ton of fun, and we literally partied every night. Wow! Like across the country, did all of these crazy things. We end in Miami and my in South Beach. Right. Like in these hotel rooms, like rap parties. Is that where uh, – in, in Miami, is that where Real World sent you guys on a fake mission? Yes. Those yeah. assholes. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, they were just so distraught that they were losing so much. You guys were kicking their ass we every amazing. season. We were amazing. Or every, every challenge. Every, sh every challenge. And when you guys did that one where you were locked in the room and you had to keep the ball moving. Oh, my God. And I – I totally forgot that. Yeah. And it was David who fucked it up. Yeah, the real he fell world. asleep, right? Yeah. yeah. He was bouncing the ball and he fell asleep. But yeah. 
I think you guys just put it in a bag we did. next to the air conditioner. Yeah. And I'm like, these guys are fucking geniuses. We were pretty smart. We and, were pretty smart. And there were a lot of smart minds on that team. Um, Los was brilliant. Yeah. Piggy was crazy, but she seemed nutty, but she's so smart. Like, like, so oh, really? smart. Yeah. Super smart. Wow. So yeah, we ended in Miami. Daniel's girlfriend, who I had like talked to on the phone, like he she knew was you guys were pals head over heels in love with. He was came down and there definitely was like a, a sadness that our time was over, that the show was over, that she came and, like, I didn't see him that much. Oh, yeah. Yet, right? The cameras were off by then, and I was spending all my time with David. Right, yeah. Um, And so the interview of me crying where they're questioning my relationship or my connection. Yeah, and you mentioned soulmates in yeah. that interview, yeah. Is after a night I may not have slept uh-huh. all night long, <laughs> right? I think David had left to, like, go do a photo shoot in New York and was going to be back. I was just like emotionally raw and they totally were like trying to tell me that our emotional connection, like they were questioning of like, have you confused it or is Daniel, is Daniel lying to himself and to you? And mm. so I got super emotional about like, like regardless of yeah. the fact, like he has a girlfriend and he loves her. Right. Yeah. But I don't doubt the friendship and the connection that we have as human beings. Right. But Absolutely. like that was the point. I lost my virginity at 21. When you were 21? Like real intercourse, yeah. How old are you? 22. Who was your first? My first girlfriend. Nuh-uh. He's got a girlfriend who he cares a lot about, and I think that's one of the things I admire most in him. When boys can express themselves and talk about girls the way that he talks about his girlfriend, it just makes you understand what good hearts they have. And Dan's one of those guys. We hear that Sister Hazel is having a free concert, so we decide to go. We have real world rules people here this evening. We'd really like to share the stage and, and see, uh, see, see what you got. This is great. I'm going on stage to sing with Sister Hazel. He really does like Holly, but unfortunately his situation won't let him be with her the way he might really want to be. Swear to God, he and I have a soul connection. I have a girlfriend who I love very much, and it's it's tough. I believe that faith has brought us here, and we should be together, babe. of the fact that Dan has a girlfriend that he loves and he cares, I know how much he cares about me. And he has no problem showing it. And it's not to say that soulmates always end up together, but Dan and I have a connection. Like, there's there's no denying it. There's absolutely no denying it. There's no way around it. 
way it was woven together with all of the scenes and all of the time that we spent together. And then you right. throw Sister Hazel over – or no, it was Macy Gray yeah. to try to walk away. Uh, yeah, with all this like sepia toned, like yes. you guys like you know snuggled up on yeah. in the RV. And we did. I mean, we no, totally. We, we we slept in beds together, like right, but not like we curled up and he would sing me James Taylor or whatever. <laughs> it wasn't which again, you're kind of like, are you guys sure you weren't in love? But we we loved each other, but we by no means right. had this like this hidden passionate love for each other. Yeah, you know, ten years down the road, had that piece of the show not ruined our friendship which it did oh it did end. oh that's like could he and i have like what that could have turned into you never know right yeah I married a boy from minnesota like i love <laughs> the minnesota goodness and daniel had all of that yeah who knows but at that time in my life like i was obsessed with the fun <laughs> over the top complicated kind of dark mysterious men and that was david right sure, it wasn't yeah. daniel yeah that's crazy. One thing I'm struck by listening to you tell this is, I mean, this is a very personal thing that you experienced. Super personal. And I mean, that's what, I mean, that's kind of what you sign up for when you do a reality show. Which you don't know when you do it. No. Once I was on the challenge, I knew. Yeah. But the first time around and the things that people wanted to know about me are like people <laughs> just watching you and not talking to you. It's a very like disturbing yeah. thing. Because you don't know. You don't know. You might know in your head I'm signing up for people to comment on every aspect of my life. Yeah, but going through it has got to be entirely different. Totally different. And so what I'm struck by is reflecting on that now, you know, how does it feel to sort of live a big part of your 20s, you know, a, a part where you're still developing emotionally in in a public way where I, as someone who has met you casually once in a liquor store, <laughs> be, just because my wife happened to recognize you because she knows you through her sister. <laughs> exactly. Just me, almost uninitiated, being able to ask you these very personal questions that we all watched. Mm -hmm. Is that weird? It is weird. I mean, it's definitely weird. It's very weird coming out of your original season because you don't you don't know, like, yeah. and you don't know what to expect. I also think you have a choice and kind of your mindset or your perspective on it as you move forward, if, especially if you continue to do shows. Mm -hmm. And for me. I signed up for this. So yeah. if you want to talk to me or if you have questions, like I, I'm also, I like to hope and think I'm, I'm a pretty gracious person. Like Absolutely. I enjoy people. I don't want people to think I'm unapproachable, which I definitely am not. <laughs> and so I just chose pretty early on after I'd processed a lot of that initial shock <laughs> right? from my first season airing, like I can do it one way. Or I can be the person that's like, don't bother me. I'm too good for this. Like, right. no, you signed up for a reality TV show that millions of people watch. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and they, they feel like they know you. People will recognize me because of my voice. Really? Yeah. Like even today? Yeah. Wow. Way less so. But there are times that someone will be like, oh, you're Holly from Road Rules. <laughs> and whoever I'm with, who know, you know, everybody knows, will be like, that's on. Are you serious? She was on the last. My last show was two thousand four. Was that the Inferno? No. Yes, that was the Inferno. Yeah. Okay. I think it was two thousand four. Uh. Yeah. Like, maybe aired in two thousand five, or maybe I filmed it in two thousand three and aired in two thousand. Yeah, it was like oh three oh four because that's twelve years ago. Yeah, that I, is twelve years ago, people. But I mean, I I'm recalling plot details from the Challenge two thousand, yeah. which tells you what you need to know about the impact of this show. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where. 
I was so happy when they started doing challenges. I'm like, wow, this is like all stars. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's so right. And it was originally and that's what called. It was originally yeah. called. And, uh, so then I remember Battle of the Season was like game changing. Yeah. Because, you know, you have everyone or, or you have representatives from every season. You go, holy shit. Yeah. Like all these people are together in the same place. And I've watched every one of these seasons. It's fun to watch them interact. Yeah. And, I came in late on Battle of the Seasons, which I was really pissed off about. So I'm like, when Battle of the Sexes came around, yes, because that was next. I go, okay, I'm not missing this, and that's when we, me and my roommates, all got really super into it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the one after that was the Gauntlet. Yep. And we were into that. And just a quick anecdote to, as a counterpoint to what you said, right after that season ended, I was working for the college radio station, and I went and interviewed this band called Yellow Card. I know Yellow Card. Yeah, which actually... I know those guys. Yeah, you know them well. I've interviewed them twice, and Sarah Grayson was there. She was on Road Rules Campus Crawl. Yeah. And then she was on the gauntlet, got sent into the gauntlet five times. Yes. And she's kind of a badass. Yeah. Came out every time. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And ended up winning the big prize. And I thought that was amazing. Yeah. I thought that was terrific. So she's working for some TV station in Denver and like some independent thing. And I see her walk in and the guy she's with, like, he can tell that I recognize her. Yep. And <laughs> that happens. And he goes, he's like, don't do it, man. And I, and I go, come on, man, I gotta. And so I say, I'm like, I watched your season. I thought it was great. And she did not want to talk to me in the least. Mm -hmm. But I think it was just coming off this very weird season. Yeah. And I think it was super raw for her. So in the immediate aftermath, after the show airs, is it different than sort of your philosophy long term? It wasn't ever for me. Okay. It was. I mean, again, initial season aside, right? Because I didn't know what to expect. And I certainly was shocked. I don't think I didn't want to not talk about it mm -hmm. but i definitely became a little paranoid a little <laughs> anxious because people would talk around me and not to me oh, so yeah. that could have been a huge part of the reason why i would much rather be engaged and answer your questions yeah than have you whispering about me or formulating opinions about me without actually asking about what happened right yeah don't talk about me like i'm not here and totally. like i can't hear you <laughs> totally <laughs> or that like you're standing outside a window and i'm sitting in front of it and like you're standing around me like obviously talking people are me. just yeah yeah like, and then oh, more people wow. come over and look and oh jesus I remember that happening at the foundry uh in boulder <laughs> on a thursday night uh, that's too weird. It's also the year I turned 21, that <laughs> January, as the show started to air. Oh, God. So it was like show in the bar scene, a right. college town. You know, had it been a few years later, you could have gotten paid to go to those bars. I totally could have. That's exactly right. <laughs> and when you're 21, I mean, what's better, I would have right? been paid, you know, my bar tab and another 300 bucks to show up at the Foundry on a Thursday night. Pretty much. Yeah. I didn't capitalize on that. Yeah. Well, uh, timing is everything, that's right? right? That's right. That's <laughs> right. So, Okay. My weird comment about the Inferno. Yeah. MTV, with the gauntlet, developed a fantasy game to go along with it. Yes. Where you could draft cast members and you would get points for various things. Yes. I played the gauntlet and I did pretty good at it. I finished somewhere like top 500 out of everyone in the nation. I played <laughs> the Inferno and kicked ass at it and finished 66th That's in the nation amazing. out of like 80,000. But uh, You would have finished higher because of... You told me it was my fault. Well, no. It, <laughs> initially, I drafted you because I'm like, she's going to kick ass at this. And 
The problem was, it's not so much a problem with you. Thanks. It, no. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and this is coming off so weird. But it's a problem with the way the producers ended up awarding points. Ah. Because you got more points for bad behavior. Right. Than you did for excelling at challenges. For being a badass and winning. Right. And so... Big, like the biggest point getter of that entire crew was Coral. Oh yeah. On bleeps alone. Yeah. Because you got points for bleeps and Coral couldn't get out of sentence nope. without like three bleeps. No. So you had her on your team. That was great. Yeah. CT was a really strong oh, player because he was always fighting and fighting <laughs> and cussing. Yeah. And winning. Yeah. And trash talking. Won. Yeah. You got, you got money for trash talking. Oh yeah. I was about, you shouldn't have chosen me. Um, <laughs> but I had you cause I liked you. Thank you. You know what I mean? And my favorite memory from that is actually when you sent Trishel home. That was my favorite memory too. Was it really? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Why was that? Um, I didn't, oh, I hope she doesn't listen to this. I don't really care. I didn't like her from the start. I, I, I didn't. I don't think you're alone in that opinion. No. And, and it's hard, right? Because I think a lot of my preconceived opinions of her were based on what happened in Vegas. Sure. And then they prove themselves true in person. Right. And the gauntlet. Right. Which I didn't really watch. So, okay. but. Right, cause you were pissed cause they didn't. I was pissed. How do you not invite the girl from Durango, Colorado to be in the gauntlet and tell you ride? Yeah. I'm not sure. That's appalling. It's appalling. Yeah. But I've gotten over it. <laughs> um, all, all, all the stereotypes are true. Like the attention whore, like right. has to be paid attention to a little bit whiny. A just lot prima donna, yeah. donna e like, it just as it's it is the opposite of me. I got you. It was the opposite of me. So I mean, you guys were like oil and water. It, that's, we were. That's fair to say. Then. We were. We totally were. Okay. And I tried to be nice, right? right? And and she wasn't. She wasn't not nice, but it was just very apparent that we were different and we weren't going to align and be allies or partners or any of that. Yeah, I got you. So were you sort of salivating at the idea of facing her in the Inferno then? I was scared, you know, like you, and, and scared even more so of what if Trishel sends me home? Oh yeah, that's right. Ooh, high stakes there. Because depending on (laughs) what the challenge was, like who knows, right? I had hoped that it would be something I could prevail at. Generally, I, win in <laughs> in many things that i've done in my life well so you're very competitive i'm then. incredibly competitive gotcha but you never know right you can have these like random things that anybody could win you could have to eat cookies and sit on a merry-go-round until someone throws up right which is a challenge i don't think i would do very well at. see i probably would be fine yeah she okay. probably would not have been <laughs> but then when it ended up being chili peppers like contrary to not inviting the girl from durango to be in Telluride for the gauntlet, inviting a girl who grew up in southwestern Colorado to eat as many chilies as she needs to to win a compos- competition is a good idea. Only adjacent to the finest chili growing region in the entire world. Right. right? Exactly. And that's what my grandmother, you know, my mom was born in Texas. My grandmother yeah. <laughs> had always made spicy, delicious, like anything with roasted green chili or right. peppers or jalapenos or whatever. <laughs> well, I remember watching you stare her down as you ate those. And that was. Well, and I did, and I there was no way I was losing. I think in the end she ate maybe not even two, and I ate nine. nine. Like I should, I should have stopped at four. I was sick for days. Really, like days. Oh, gross. Raw chili peppers will do a number on you. Oh man, from the inside out. And the Inferno was filmed in what, like Mexico? In Mexico. Oh God. Yeah, in Acapulco. That uh, yeah. that sounds excruciating. I drank Gatorade and ate. 
toast for five days and I was peeling the peppers apart to be able to eat them in like strips. Uh huh. My oh, fingertips burn. Oh, literally burn for five days. I would sit oh. around with my hand in buckets of ice water. Oh my God. Cause I had, I didn't have like physical, you couldn't see it on my skin, but they just burned. Oh jeez! But in the end I won and that was fine. That's right. That Inferno season was really weird to watch because all the Infernos were like three and four hours. Like oh, they were forever. They so lasted like, forever. So like, what are you guys doing while they're doing that? Because it just seemed boring as hell. It was boring. Okay, you're sitting around, maybe cheering, probably cheering, then sitting right. around some more. Yeah, like uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like David and Katie are sitting in like you know the foul smelling muck. Forgot that one. And it was bad. It was so disgusting. Or you're like watching Julie and Katie, and we, ju- and we just wanted Katie to go home. Yeah. Well, sure. She she seemed like a lot to she handle. She was a lot to handle. And in the end, we had such a competitive, strong team. She was the weak link. Mm-hmm. In the end, it was fine, right? You but, guys still won. Yeah. So that's kind of awesome. But I mean, so you guys have to sit there while this is going on. Yeah, because they have to be able to show our. 30 second reaction over four hours right (laughs) (laughs) right so when when you guys are in the house and you're not filming i very famously the real world and road rules it's like no tv no radio no books no magazines like none of that how do you guys spend the downtime oh god drinking (laughs) i mean not not on my original season really and and then we were in these amazing places in mexico on the challenge 2000 there was so much drive time that we did have a TV. Like there okay. was music. Um, That's good. In Mexico, it was. It was just like sitting around drinking or hanging out by the pool. There were books and magazines. Like okay. But at the same time, on challenges different from seasons or shows, you have way more camera downtime mm. because they're generally always prepping for the next challenge. Because oh, that makes sense. They're kind of more back to back to back to back. Well, and that's sort of the narrative backbone of the entire show, right? Exactly. So they'll catch some like good stuff, but it's really more about challenge days or inferno days. Gotcha. Or maybe they stage a big dinner that everybody's going to sit down and have together, and like they know something's going to happen. Otherwise, and we had more. I can remember we had because they had to give the crew days off depending on where we were, and those days. Oh, what like like union rules a week? Yeah, two days a week. Like maybe somebody would show up to film a little bit. Okay. Like get their get their stock shots, and sure. then we wouldn't see anybody for two days. Wow. Yeah. All right. And that was nice. Okay. So another question I have, and you may not be at liberty to answer this, based on the <laughs> non-disclosure agreement that I haven't seen or read in <laughs> twenty years. Okay. So, um, but. In terms of the challenge, you know, they always talk about prize money. Yeah. But I'm assuming you can't just like take someone who is in their 20s down to Mexico for like weeks without just without paying them something. You I actually think you could probably find this somewhere. We got paid. I think it was four grand. Like that's it. Payment fee to be on the show. That's nothing. It's nothing. Wow. That's nothing. And granted, it was all expenses paid, right? Like you didn't really spend money when you were going on the shows. But yeah, that's nothing. One one of the – it might have been the Inferno. And some of us had been together before. uh And so we tried to like unionize ourselves. And whoever it was from Buna Murray just was like, look, guys, (laughs) we we pick you guys first. 
But if it's not you, there are literally behind each of you 14 other people that would gladly take it for probably nothing. Yeah. Just to be on TV. And we all were kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I mean, that doesn't make it right. No. But, I mean, Bill Simmons famously writes about the challenges. Bill Simmons from ESPN. He was formerly with ESPN. Really? He loves the challenge. I did not know that. He says it's it's America's fifth major sport. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. He he absolutely loves it. And I think he was talking to, God, what is his name? Kyle from Chicago, who was like, he was like a PA on Jim Rome's show or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I I seem to remember him saying something similar, but he's like, you know what? These challenges are a treasure. Yeah. And he's like, what you should do is you should get CT to get everyone to fall in line and dole out Boston style justice to anyone who steps <laughs> outside it demanding more money. <laughs> and I thought that's pretty good. Yeah, it's probably right. But the funny thing about the challenges is when it started, it looked like if you were sitting at home, it looked like something you could do. Yeah. And... Now there's so much physicality and these guys are built like NFL linebackers. And they train for they 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 train for weeks at a time leading up to a show because they know it's coming. Good grief. Yeah. Well, I mean in your time going from something like Challenge 2000, that was your first challenge. That right? was my first challenge. Okay. And you know, I think about you guys, you know, played like touch football or flag football against each other. Mm-hmm. Um or you're like bobbing for pig's feet. Right. Or you know, trying to stay awake all night. Versus like these crazy like super marathon CrossFit games yeah. things that they're doing now. Yeah. In your time doing that, how much did the physicality change? Or it started to tr- change pretty. I wouldn't say drastically. It started to change by the inferno okay. and for different reasons, right? For heightened adventure viewership, other shows were coming along that. Other reality shows that were doing some of that stuff, not like American Ninja Warrior like nowadays, right? But I know for a fact that there was a set of people leading up to the Inferno that were training, that like hired uh-huh. trainers and were like doing the thing and were getting super fit. Granted, that's also because you're going to be on TV and you want to look really <laughs> fit right, and, yeah. and good. But I think that's when it started to change and now it's just become this whole other thing. Yeah, it's such a weird thing. Um, because I mean, it's, it's its own industry. It's like its whole universe. And, yeah. I mean, there are people geared around like, this is, this is the entirety of their life. Whereas- well, and now if they win like four to six weeks for $150,000 paycheck, which ends up being more like 75 K <laughs> because you pay 50% gift tax. Yeah. But th- that's a hell of a payday for a couple of those a year and some speaking engagements and some bar appearances. Totally. Like they're, they're making it's a living. Yeah. As it's a long living. as you can do it. I guess my last question, cause I know we gotta, we gotta wrap this up, but plus I might pee my pants. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> but you mentioned you're still close with some of your castmates. And when we were setting this up, you mentioned you'd read like you go, I'd recently gotten nostalgic yeah. for, for doing this. Because you'd connected with some of those folks. Yeah. Are you still tight with them? And and how frequently do you get to intersect with people? Yeah. So I would say I'm not tight with anybody. Okay. Um, in terms of how often we communicate or see each other. I think nostalgia is inevitable. Good, bad, or other. Right? But No, no most, matter if you're on TV or not. To, that's exactly right. Yeah. Even more so once you're on TV and you have these crazy adventures that you went through with people 20 years ago, right? I mean, not quite 20 years ago, but my first season was filmed the summer of 98. Yeah. 
No, summer of 97. That was almost 20 years ago. So you start thinking back and remembering or like I started a new job at Vail and they had all like gone and found clips and so they all had questions (laughs) and you start to remember things. And you go through a lot with these people and you know that they shared something that very few people in the world understand what it's like to go through. Sure. Yeah. It's like the ex-president's club. Totally. We're like Obama. Totally. I mean, Obama. (laughs) No, the exact same thing. Clinton and (laughs) me and Tara and Josh. Like, yeah, totally. No, but you just, it's, you, there's, there's unspoken understanding and comfort in having shared an experience, whether directly with that person or that you just went through the same thing. Right. The spirit of that content remains the same. Yes. I mean, irrespective of sort of the stature of the two enterprises. Yeah. But that's so cool. It's very cool. Yeah. So Josh, how did this all happen? I can't even remember. I think somebody had asked me about it at Vail. And I went on Facebook and was like, huh, I wonder who I know. Or maybe I became friends with someone from the crew. Mm-hmm. And I went and saw who they were connected with. Yeah. And it led me back to Josh. Well, Josh is connected to our whole cast. Oh, wow. He's friends on Facebook with everybody from our cast. So and he you stayed, weren't? I wasn't. I wasn't friends with any of them. Wow. He stayed really close with our Sarah, who is from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So they've been close forever. And then he eventually found Abe, who is married with three gorgeous girls. He found Brian, who's married and I think lives in Pennsylvania again. He found Gladys, who I actually haven't heard from. Oh, my God. Gladys. Right? And then he and I connected. He and his family spend a lot of time in Colorado. Even when we were on the show together, his parents had a home in Pagosa, which is outside of Durango. Oh, yeah. So they were coming here for the Flaming Lips show (laughs) Memorial Day weekend right before the My Morning Jacket shows. So I got to meet his wife and see him. That's so cool. Like he now puts on music festivals in Dallas, like doing all of this amazing stuff. So then Tara and I, so Tara from Northern Trails became really close on Battle of Seasons and just stayed in touch. I haven't seen her in years, but she and I will, (laughs) will trade comments and things. Who else? Some of the crew members. Sure. I'm pretty good friends with. Castaways Kendall from... She was on the Inferno. She was on the Inferno. What what road rules was she on? I want to say that was Campus Crawl too. That it was. It totally was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's in Seattle, and she and I remain close. Veronica, so Veronica <laughs> Portillo and I lived in San Francisco together. No kidding. And we actually not together, not in a house, <laughs> right. but at the same time. And she ironically was friends with a friend I had made, so we had reconnected, and she and I will trade hmm. messages and notes. Sometimes she and I got really close during Battle of the No during Challenge 2000. Yeah. And then, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And then were we? I think we were on every every challenge I did. She and I were on together because she was on Battle of the Seasons with Yes. Yeah, and they got so eliminated. Yes, and I first. are friends too on Facebook. What a name! Yes. Yes. Yeah, he was named after the band. His parents were like, no shit. Oh yeah, that's amazing. Oh yeah. And they got eliminated first. They did because of what? Some chicanery by Emily, I think. Oh man, I forgot all of that. Mm. I forgot about Emily for a second. Yeah. And yeah, she was with James. Yes. And Yes. <laughs> and so yeah, a lot of drama on that and Battle of the Sexes. And I think oh, yeah, she, she was on Battle of the Sexes. Yeah, she eliminated Veronica and Rachel. Oh yeah, they hated they hated her. Yeah. I think Veronica would have 
taken her out if she could have. I and I think she would have been justified because I remember Emily was very much the villain of that season. Yeah, well, I think that's funny now that you're. She and I were really good friends at first, and then I started to see some of the things, and I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> all things are not what they seem." Too funny. Yeah. So overall, I mean, as you reflect on it, doing all of this, net positive experience? 100%. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's always so cool to hear that too because it's something, and, and I tell you this, just I don't want to speak on behalf of all fans, but it's something that was meaningful to me to watch and the fact that you were a part of it and we get to connect now means a lot to me now. That's awesome. So Thank you. Thanks for being on the show. This was enormous fun. Uh, thanks for sharing the insight. Thanks for walking down memory lane with me. Thanks for walking me down memory lane. It had been a while since I've thought about some of these things. You bet. And uh, you know what? Whatever you do next, continued success to you, Holland. Thank you. Oh, man, what a fun episode. That brings 101 to a close with Holland Darcy. Thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you for listening. This was just great, great fun. And I, I wish you nothing but success. I hope our paths cross again soon. Let's give some love to our sponsor, 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Your one-stop shop for everything that you would want to do online communication wise. Whoever you need to reach, they will help you do it. Whoever you need to target, they will help you find them. Whatever products you need, whatever platforms you're on, they have the solutions for you. So go to 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. This is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. We've got all your other non-digital communications needs ready to go. Check us out on social media. The John of All Trades podcast is on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Pinterest, all under the same handle. It's J-O-A-T pod. Check us out. Facebook is the only place you can find exclusive episode previews. Those go up on Mondays. New episodes drop on Wednesdays. You can find those on iTunes, Stitcher, or on the John of All Trades homepage. That's J-O-N-of-all-trades.us. We're off next week, but we'll be back the week after that. So see you in two weeks for episode number 102. And until then, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.